You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the June edition, the June 2011 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane Duffy and I'll be our host today as we look into the subject of character, not Disney characters, but actually the quality uh, of character in someone's life. And so we've had... Um, when you wish upon Okay, we're going to talk about Disney characters today. I know about all of them. My, my little girl turns four. That's true. And so ask me anything about Disney characters. <laughs> so at some point, we'll shift into talking about Simone and Pumbaa and things like that. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, before we get to that... Um, Bef- whoever Timon Simone, Y'all you don't back off. Keep there's going, a, Shane. there's a Simone somewhere. All right, so here's the deal. Um, before we get into today's topic, which we can already see our character may be in question, <laughs> but before we get into today's uh, topic, we wanted to make sure we get another shout out for the New Spring Leadership Conference coming up on September Woo-hoo. the 8th. Perry, why don't you talk about that and talk about why, in particular, right now is a hot time to get signed up. Well, the the leadership conference, in my opinion, and I've said this before, and people have disagreed with me on Twitter, and that's fine because they have the right to be wrong. Um, it's the best one-day leadership conference uh, in in the history of the world. Ever. Yep, that's it. Uh, it it no seriously, it's um speakers like Mark Driscoll, Stephen Furtick, Judah Smith, Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle, Judd Wilhite, um, and myself, and we're we're gonna be it's one day. We're starting at eight thirty in the morning. We'll be done by six at night. Um, and it's just church leaders um, talking about church and leadership. I mean, imagine that, a conference where church leaders talk about church and leadership. And so I'm really excited about this. It's going to be a lot of fun. The cost right now is $99, and it's going to be $99 until midnight on June the 30th. At that point, the price increases to $129 per person. And listen, um, our area that handles conferences, they've heard every sad story on the planet, and it, they just don't fall for it. I mean, they just don't. So if you want to get registered, not, listen, 99 bucks for that day of, that day is going to be incredible. Tell them who's going to be there. Um, I already told them. You already told them? I did. Obviously, your character's in question. Um, <laughs> well, because what I'm sitting here no, thinking, Perry, you're is... You're so into the podcast. You are so I'm into I'm reading this. the questions I'm going to ask you later, yes. if I'm just being honest about it. Because I was like, did I not do that? Dang. Well, I think they probably bear repeating. <laughs> um, Mark Driscoll, <laughs> Stephen Furtick, Judith Smith, Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle, Judd Wilhite. And Timon and Pumbaa. Hey, and here's the deal. The reality about New Spring Leadership Conference, the reality about New Spring Church is we want to be a good steward over our resources, but also other people's resources. This is one day, $99, speakers that will blow your mind. And we know there's lots of great conferences out there, but we really do this with one agenda, and that is so that the church, the Big C Church, is empowered and equipped to grow. So we're we're hopeful that you guys will get signed up because it is going to sell out, and it will sell out quickly. so don't miss it. I, let me say this, Shane. The primary reason, um, I happen to know all of these guys and be friends with them. The primary reason I ask these guys to come is because they really do love Jesus and they really do love the church. Um, you got a lot of guys out there that love Jesus but don't necessarily love the church, and you got a lot of guys out there that love the church but don't love Jesus. Um, these guys love Jesus first. I know them. They love Jesus and they love his church, and these are the I mean, I'm going to learn from these guys. And so I'm, I'm telling you, you need to be there. 99 bucks, 
It's a bargain. People go, do you give church planners a discount rate? Yes, $99 <laughs> until June 30th. So get here. Yeah, and our CFO hopes that you wait till after June the 30th because he'd rather get the $129. So we would uh, enjoy you know, frustrating him. So let's get them all signed Absolutely. up. Absolutely, let's sell it out. So with that uh, really smooth, eloquent opening, we're going to transition into, Best we've ever uh, into today's topic. And this topic came really from a series of questions from listeners uh, to the podcast, and it has to do with, with character. Uh, why is character important? How do we, or I should say, Perry, how do you protect your character? How do you project high character? And so before we jump into that, I just want to provide a definition for our listeners, and then we'll jump into the questions. Um, I read on the internet where everything is true all the time, Mm -hmm. that character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. So that's the definition of character. What defines you both mentally and morally, the characters of distinctives that you portray. And so Perry, something I know to be true about you, having known you for a while, is that you that integrity is a big deal to you. Christ-like integrity. Let me define it that way. And that's the primary quality that you want to be distinctive about your character. So it's with that uh, knowledge I have of you and the and the importance that you place on that, that we kind of jump into today's topic. So with that uh, as background, I'm just going to ask you, how do you define integrity? Um, Bill Hobbles, in my opinion, came up with the best definition of integrity I've heard. And I don't know if it was original to him or if he came up with it, but he He said, integrity is who you are when no one else is looking. And one of the things that I've found um, out early in ministry is the image portrayed on the stage isn't always who that person is. Um, The guy that led me to the Lord uh, uh, had an affair on his wife. Um, And I found that out a year after I'd been a Christian. Um, One of the guys I trained under in ministry and learned from uh, was arrested and eventually sent to prison because of some stuff he had done. And those those were eye-opening things. Now, thankfully, the guy that led me to the Lord um, and had an affair on his wife, he, he was, he was um, uh, you know, he's stayed with his wife and, and you know, praise God for that. But um, I just remember, oh, my gosh, um, it is really easy to get um, on a stage or in front of a group of people and pretend to be somebody. Um, But integrity is who you are when you're at home, at night, you're flipping the channels, that movie is on, and you have to make the decision what to do. Mm -hmm. That's integrity. Mm -hmm. So let me me just ask the obvious question then. How, How important is integrity to you? Integrity is the most important um, quality slash characteristic um, in a in a minister's life or in a person's life. Period. Because I don't care how good of a singer you are, I don't care how good of a leader you are, I don't care how good of a communicator you are. One character or one screw up, and everything that you've worked for is gone. Hmm. It's that important. Like. All you've listen, listen. Twenty years of ministry, one affair, down. It's down the toilet. It's like it's all down the toilet. So it is. Character is essential for success in ministry. I heard Andy Stanley make a comment one time. He said, 
your talents and ability mm-hmm. have the potential to carry you further than your character can sustain you. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I the most important quality in my life are not my talents, are not my abilities. They're my character. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, how about just the simple appearance of integrity? How important is it to you that you, not that you are uh, have integrity when no one's looking. What about what you project? Like, how important is the appearance of integrity to you? Yeah, I mean, well, if people don't think you have integrity, they're eventually going to start stop following your leadership. Like, and if they don't think you're somebody that can be trusted, one of the one of the reasons people follow a leader is because somewhere in their heart or in their mind, they they think I can trust that person. Mm-hmm. They don't think they don't have to think a person is perfect to follow them. Oh my gosh, that's just not true. But they have to be able to trust a person. And in order to trust someone, it always goes back. It don't always go back to their talent. It don't always go back to their ability, but it always goes back to their character. And if somebody especially has a consistent um, falling in their character over and over and over again, Pretty soon, nobody trusts them, and if nobody trusts them, nobody will follow them. Well, with that being said, let me just ask this. I'm just open this space up to for you to talk as long and as much about um, your own personal measures. But how do you both protect and project your integrity? Well, the first thing I do when I project is I talk about it, the fact that it's important. Um, I talk about the fact I'm very honest and open about the fact that I struggle. Um, I've struggled in my past with a pornography addiction. I'm very honest and open with my church about that. And what, what I've seen is that's allowed men to come forward and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this too. And they go, oh my gosh, the pastor doesn't wear a cape and have an S on his chest, you know? Um, and so I'm, I'm very honest and open about the, my present day struggles. Like I struggle with road rage or I, you know, I, I, I still struggle with things just like any dude does. And so... I think that's one of the things is being honest and open about it and telling people, you know what, I struggle just like you struggle. I have not conquered this sin, but Christ in me is enabling me to um, have a little bit more victory over each and every day. Um, so that's one of the ways I project. I talk about um, I talk about my accountability that I have. And listen, accountability is only as good as the honesty you're willing to put into it, because. Mm-hmm. I know a bunch of men and women that have, quote, fallen, which I think is a crock of crap. You don't fall. You like trip and like, oh, my gosh, I had sex on the way down. Like, you don't do that. It is something you choose to dive into over a period of time. Um, And so I know a bunch of guys that, quote, had accountability. But the thing I know about those guys is their accountability was superficial. It wasn't real. Accountability is only good as the honesty you're willing Mm. willing to put into it, like I said. Um, and so I'm very honest about that. I'm very honest with my wife. I'm very honest. I mean, you're on my team. I'm very honest with the team that I work with. In fact, um, Shane, and maybe later on the podcast we can get into this, I brought a counselor in recently um, that sat in a room with the top leaders on my staff and asked the question, like, he talked to you guys about me. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, what do you need to know? Or what, what do you want to say? Tell me about Perry. and what? Because I wanted my counselor to be able to have unfiltered information from you guys about me so that he could sit down and talk to me eye to eye, man to man, and tell me these are some things you've got to continue to work on if you want to be the man God wants you to be. And so I'm very honest and open about that. 
Um, and then some of the things I do to protect my character, um, I've talked about these before. I'll, I'll talk about them again. I don't, I'm never alone with a, with a woman. Um, the way I would put that is I'm never alone with a person of the opposite sex. So, you know, if you're a lady listening to this, I'm never alone with a woman because listen, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much you struggle with lust. If you're not alone with a woman, you're not going to do anything you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to break it down at Walmart. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's just, and if you do, you've got obvious problems other than character. Um, you, you get serious issues. So I'm never alone with someone of the opposite sex. That means if I'm on an elevator, and I'm this serious about it, Shane, if I'm on an elevator and a woman steps on the elevator, I don't care where I am, I step off. It's, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. If I'm riding down the road and a woman's broke down on the side of the road and it's raining, I do not pull over to pick her up. All, because um, my friend Mark Driscoll told me one time, and this was so true, he said, you don't ever actually have to sin you just need somebody to accuse you of sin. Um, who was it that Mark Twain says the um, a lie can run halfway around the world before the truth can get its mm-hmm. shoes on? And that is so 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 true. So I'm never and I've heard this is one thing I, I want to talk about because I've heard some guys say this. Um, I had a guy tell me one time he came to me and said, "Well, what about what about your assistant? If you're a dude in the ministry, um, I had a guy say, "Well, I think I should only hire um, ugly assistants," and I'm like. Dude, how in the heck do you put that on a job description? I'm going to need for you to be ugly and stay ugly. Like That is so ridiculous. And then I've heard another guy say, well, I'm only going to hire dude assistants. Well, that hasn't gone so well for some of the dudes I know that <laughs> wind up doing stuff with dudes. And so here's the deal. like if If you have an attractive assistant and you think, oh, that's the problem, and you fire her, then guess what you're going to do? Because the problem isn't your attractive system. The problem is the sin in your heart that you mm-hmm. won't repent of. So you'll go find your attractive children's worker, your attractive secretary, your attractive receptionist. So then what do you do? Do you fire all of the pretty women in your <laughs> church so you're known as the church where only ugly women work? And then you you have to tell all the pretty women they have to stop coming to your church. But I, I, listen, we're going to be a church for ugly people. <laughs> Um, because I struggle with lust, and I'm not willing to deal with my sin problem. So what I'm going to do is remove. Listen, the problem isn't that you have an attractive assistant. The problem is you have a sin problem in your heart and in your mind that you're not willing to confess and repent of. That's the problem. So, um, well, that's so true. You know, you probably know the old country song that says all the girls get prettier at closing time. That is true. If so sin, it's Mickey Gilly. Is, that's right. The, the girls Mickey all Gilly. get. Yes. And the reality is, no matter if it's sins in you, if the opportunity keeps going away and away, you don't care what the girl looks Dude, like. Listen, Darren Patrick just spoke at the Southern Baptist Convention um, pastors conference in Phoenix, and he said something along these lines. Um, he basically told the group of pastors. I was listening to it on the podcast, and it blew my mind. He said, um, basically, he challenged all the men. He said, we need to be more obsessed with our sin mm-hmm. than we are the sin of the people in our church. Because if we get obsessed with our sin and we get our hearts right with God, then our people have a greater chance of getting that right with God. And I'm paraphrasing him. You can go online to iTunes and download the message. It's amazing. Well, you saying that, Perry, I, I, just as somebody who does know you, and we will talk about the conversation with the counselor later, because I thought that was really um, amazing uh, for you to do that, to let us be a part of that. But before we get to that, something you just said, like worrying about your own sin. You're somebody who I see on a consistent basis who's not necessarily pointing fingers at people saying, well, they need to do this or they shouldn't do this. You're worried about what God's doing in you. And so what uh, that makes me think about is how important your daily 
disciplines. Your walk with the Lord is in keeping your view of integrity high. And so I would just love for you to share uh, your commitment to your quiet time, your physical health, your exercise, feeling good about like anything you can think of that you do on a daily basis that heightens your awareness of who you are and what's important to protect your integrity. Um, you know, and this is different for different people. Some, um, but some of the things that I've got to have is I got to have a little structure to my life. And so, um, every day I get out of bed and I read my Bible and it's just something I'm going to do. I, it doesn't matter what time I got to get up. I feel like I've got, it's, it's kind of like you, you fill up your car before you go on a trip. That's the way I look at it. And so, um, and I don't read my Bible to get sermons. I read my Bible and I ask God, uh, to, to meet me there. God, you know, straighten out what's crooked, help me see. And there has never been a time in my life that God has failed to meet me in that time. Never. I've never had a time in my life that, um, I mean, I've had people go, I feel like my quiet times that God's not there. Don't you know? And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Now that could happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. There's never been a time that God hasn't met me in my time with him. Um, I do exercise every day, um, except Sundays usually, um, which preaching three times exercise. (laughs) But I, I, I really want to take care of myself physically. Um, I think that's important for pastors. I think especially the background I come from, which is a Southern Baptist background, that there's a lot of pastors that say that their lips have never touched alcohol when it's obvious their feet has ne- never touched a treadmill. Um, they're, they're huge. They don't drink beer, but they will drink gravy. And I think that's just as big of a sin. Uh, and so I, I just think it is something that needs to be repented of personally. I mean, how can you be that large and tell somebody in your church that they're sinning and going to hell? I don't think you can. Anyway, just a thought. Um, Although that, gravy that, sounds pretty good right th- now. Yeah. I'll, now, I love gravy. <laughs> listen, there is nothing wrong with eating that stuff. Just, man, find a tra- Get an elliptical. I've had people go, my knees are bad. Get an elliptical. Go for a walk. Go for a swim. Anyway. Um, so that that's those are some of the things I do on a on a daily basis. I try to have um, accountability in my life on a daily basis. I mean, if I'm wrestling with something, I mean, you know me, I'm an open yeah. book. I don't I don't try to hide that. I I have found what the Bible says is so true. The Bible says in James five sixteen that if we confess mm-hmm. our sins to one another and pray for one another, we will be healed. And one of the reasons a lot of guys aren't healed from the sin that dominates their hearts and minds. I'm talking leaders. Mm-hmm. Is they preach confession to their people, but they won't live confession in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Big yeah, difference. I hadn't thought about this till right now, but I, I want to ask about that because I think this is I think this is a really crucial thing. And I'm no medical doctor or psychiatrist or anything like that, but I think there really is something to protecting your integrity when it comes to how you walk with the Lord every day. The fact that you are keeping yourself physically fit, your mind works better, your body works better. Uh, I know rest is a big deal, and we'll talk about that in a second, but how important is it to your integrity, to Perry Noble's integrity, to be as open as you are, not just with the church, but with the guys around you, with our staff, with like you really are an open book. And I I know people have said, was that really who Perry, that really is who Perry Noble is. But how important is that in just simply your day-to-day walk and protecting your integrity to being that open and opening yourself up to the people around you? Because I fear that most of the leaders that listen to this podcast in churches they don't do that they yeah. try to guard themselves they try to be the guy that knows all the answers yep. they try to be the guy that has everything together and that's actually creating an atmosphere where a, a, a fall is just inevitable yep so how important is that to you well i'll i'll throw a couple things out there and this will this will get me unsubscribed to um but i i, I mean i'll just say it 
if you believe that you're the smartest person um, at your church, you you suck, or either you have some <laughs> stupid people in your church. Um, if you believe uh, that you cannot, I've had people go. I've, this is one of the things I've had people tell me. It's lonely at the top. It's lonely at the top. It's lonely at the top. I heard that. I heard that so many. And here's what I've discovered: the only reason you're lonely is because you've chosen to place yourself in isolation. Yep. I'm not lonely. I'm not lonely. I've had people say, you can't be friends with the people you work with. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Why in the heck would I want to work with people that I'm not friends with? Because Monday through Thursday, bro, or Sunday through Thursday, I spend more time with the people I work with than I do with my wife and my little girl. So if you are not friends with the people you work with, you're working in the wrong place. I'm going to say that again. If you're not friends with the people you work with, you're working in the wrong place. And so because of that, I feel like I have the ability to talk to you guys. Now, I don't talk to the whole staff about it. Okay, get out of the staff meeting. All right, here's the deal. I'm struggling. I mean, I don't do that, but I'm very honest and open with you guys because I've discovered, because I've heard leaders say, well, if I'm honest and open with my struggles, it makes me look weak. No, it actually makes you stronger Mm -hmm. because the people around you go, I can work with this guy. Mm-hmm. I can work with this guy. I can believe in this guy. He's going to be honest when he's struggling with something. Um, and it also provides all of y'all with the freedom to come talk to me about anything you're ever wrestling mm-hmm. with without the feeling of condemnation because mm-hmm. you know I'm not perfect, so you don't fear me. My staff does not fear me coming down on them out of perfection because here's here's the other thing I've realized. There's a lot of really self-righteous people. Um, in the world today. And the internet has just made them more and more and more obvious. And people that are always pointing out the imperfections of others usually have a glaring Mm -hmm. character issue in their own life. But instead of dealing with it, instead of dealing with it, they point out the imperfections or their perceived imperfections of others. And listen to me, the louder they are, most of the time, the bigger the character issue that they refuse to deal with. I totally agree. Most people, we, we spend our time deflecting and defending as opposed to dealing with what's up. And I can just say, just for everybody who's listening, as someone who sits in the quote-unquote you know, second chair with, with a group of guys with you, Perry, it, it, it is a big deal. It does make it easier to follow you. Uh, and it makes us more committed, I think, both as a team, but also to you um, as our senior pastor. Uh, the other thing I thought about just real quickly is that Jesus didn't have the problems you mentioned. Like he, it wasn't lonely at the top for him. I mean, no. he had, he was around. He called his disciples his friends. And Paul, the apostle it, Paul, at the end of every letter, he's like so and so. So and some people will go. Well, you know, Paul died alone uh, yeah, because he was in prison and they were killing him. <laughs> yeah, well, there's okay? some things I mean, that only a leader can do. We're yeah, not going to argue that. But, absolutely. But it doesn't mean you can't be around people you like to be around. Listen, if you are alone at work, you chose to be alone at work. That's your fault. Talk about, uh, change direction a little bit, talk about the importance uh, of rest Sabbath, rest, vacations, time with your wife when it comes to protecting, specifically as it relates to protecting your integrity. Uh, One more thing before I go into the rest thing, time with wife, it sparked. um, The other thing is Lucretia and I have no secrets. She knows everything about my past. Nobody can ever meet her in public and say, um, hey, I knew Perry before he came to Christ Mm. and these are some things he did. She would look at them and say, I know. Mm. I mean, I have no secrets from her now. I have no 
secrets from my wife. That is huge. If you've got something in your life that you can't talk to your wife about, you've got something in your life that doesn't need to be there. True. I mean, that's just true. So anyway, going back to the rest, um, if you don't rest, you're going to flame out, period. It, you, your life is like a car engine. You know, one of the things I love to do is drive fast. But, you know, you you rev that car engine up and you put it in the red for a period of time, it, it'll go fast, but it can only stay there for a specific period of time until the engine can't handle it anymore. Um, you can handle, you can only handle um, speed in your life as a leader for so long. And if you don't learn to rest, God will teach you rest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it will be forced upon you. Um, Israel refused to have a Sabbath. God forced a Sabbath on them. Um, I mean, you look at the Ten Commandments. What is the commandment with the longest explanation? It's the one about rest. God is serious about his leaders resting. And here's what I discovered, Shane. And I didn't discover this through reading. I discovered this through um, sin in my own life. The only reason a leader cannot rest, or let me give you the reasons. Number one is insecurity. Because I've heard leaders say, well, if I'm not at my church, it'll fall apart. Mm -hmm. Well, then listen to me. Your church officially sucks because it's not built on you. It's built on Jesus. Jesus said he would build his church. So if you've built the church on you, you've got big problems. So my church will fall apart if I ain't there. Um, Our number two, fear of man. Well, if I take a Sunday off, somebody's going to get mad. Well, of course they get mad because that's what they do. They get mad about everything. They are going to get mad about the music. They are going to get mad about your dress. They're going to get mad about the fact you've got a new car. They're going to get mad about the fact you've got an old car. They're going to get mad about the fact you go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> right. They're going to get mad about the fact you went to Burger King didn't go to Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A is Christian and Burger King's not. I mean, they, they, they just get mad. That's what they do. And so if you live your life for they, you can't live your life for Jesus. And so... Um, those are the two reasons, insecurity and fear of man. Listen, at the end of the day, they don't have to do what you have to do. They will not stand in front of God and be held accountable. You've got to be obedient to God and rest. The other thing, uh, Perry, I think as you shared this with us, I don't remember what um, very prominent Christian leader this was true of, but I remember you talking about the fact that they fell to uh, uh, immorality because they refused to rest and the pressure got so great they needed a way out. And the yep. only way out was to get caught in yep. sin, and they saw that as a relief. Um, and so I think the importance of rest can't be missed, that the reality is if you don't rest, you're going to seek relief somewhere. And, and the thing I've heard people say is, well, how do I rest? You just rest. Um, for me, example, I sleep in on Sunday mo- I mean, so I sleep in on Monday mornings. I mean, Sunday mornings. I don't want to preach. I sleep in on Monday mornings. I, I get up when I want to get up um, because I'm toast. I can't, I'm can't. i no good in a leadership meeting. I know some pastors go, we meet as a leadership team on Monday morning. Dude, that's the dumbest thing in the world. Why would you do that? You preached your guts out on Sunday. You're tired. You're physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually tired. You can't make good decisions. Another thing we do is we shut the whole office down on Friday. It's not just my day off. It's the staff's day off. And we don't do Saturday services because I want there to be one day that we're focused. We come in, um, and my listen, my goal is for our staff to finish well together. And so not only am I going to rest, mm-hmm. I'm going to demand that our staff gets adequate rest as well. Because here's the thing I've seen, Shane, and I've seen this in Christian leadership circles. I know some leaders out there that will preach the message of rest and taking breaks and stuff like that. And they'll do it for themselves, but they won't do it for their staff. 
and they're not a leader. They're a driver, and mm-hmm. people don't want to be driven. They want to be led. That's why the staff members flame out is because leaders don't care enough about themselves, and they don't care enough about the people they work with to make sure that they get an adequate amount of rest. Because here's the thing I know about arrested staff. A well-rested, energetic staff will get more done in five days than a flamed-out staff will get done in five months. And I'll add that they will be less likely to fall to immorality. Absolutely. Right? And so speaking of staff and and immorality, just from your vantage point, how do you judge, uh, for lack of a better word, the integrity of other people or even more specifically staff people? Um, You know – Staff, staff is a, is a funny thing. I think the thing that a leader needs to do is provide an atmosphere on his staff where, um, if a staff member is struggling with something, they can come talk about it. You know, we've got um, married staff members here, and we got single staff members here, and so I think there needs to be an atmosphere where um, a staff member is willing to come and engage in conversation if they're wrestling with something, and if a staff member. Um, Here's the thing I've noticed about a staff member that's going to fall immorally. Um, they get very disconnected from solid friendships that they have on staff, mm-hmm. usually right before they fall. Um, I, I've, I've seen it a hundred. Listen, I've seen it not just in this church, but in other churches. When a staff member becomes disconnected from their really great friendships, um, that is not the sign, but mm-hmm. a sign that, oh my gosh, I probably need to have a talk with this person. Um, what do you do? Uh, I know this is one of the questions that was asked, but uh, what part do you play? Maybe if you want to date back to the early part of the church when church was much smaller, even mm-hmm. through even today, what part do you play when a staff member does fall in whatever way where they've got to be removed from staff? What, oh, how, what's the right way to handle that? Maybe what have you learned over the years of how to handle that in the right way, mm-hmm. both for the church and for the person? Well, one of the things I say about the way we do ministry here at New Spring is we care more about the person than we do the position. I care more about the person than their performance. And so um, the, one of the things I try to remember that if a staff member um, chooses to go the route of immorality, um, that that they broke God's heart, um, they know better. Like, they know better. Like, I've never had to say, all right, listen, you're having sex with her. You're not married to her. You're married to her. And he oh, my bad. I mean, mm. I mean that's never a conversation. So they know they messed up and so um the, the the thing that has to be done first of all and it's hard is they first of all they have to be removed from staff um if they if they choose the road of immorality they cannot serve on staff anymore um even if they say i'm i'm repent well I'm, I'm repenting well repentance is a process it's not something you say you're going to do it's something that you prove you have done over a specific period mm-hmm. of time and so no matter like They've got to be removed from staff. And the more public this is, and th- this I can back this up with Scripture, the more public the position is, the more public the rebuke has to be. Um, for example, if I ever um, pursued the path of immorality, I would have to be rebuked publicly from our stage um, broadcast to all the campuses. Um, if a staff member at a particular campus, like a campus pastor, God forbid, or a worship leader, they would have to be rebuked um, openly from the stage, and um, and it, it, and it's a loving process. The rebuke is done in love. Every time God rebukes someone in Scripture, he, He's doing it because He loves them. Um, and then the the purpose of a rebuke is restoration. Ultimately, it's not. 
okay, you messed around, you're fired, we don't love you anymore. It's like, okay, you messed around, you're fired. Now, what can we do to restore you um, in your marriage and maybe even ultimately into ministry one day? Because I do believe in that. I do believe someone can be fully restored, but I believe that process is up to the elders of the church, and it must be agreed upon, and it and the um the process must be followed. Listen, you're not restored to ministry if you have an affair and then go. Oh, I'm just gonna. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna repent. I'm not gonna acknowledge I did anything wrong. I'm a victim, and you. I mean, you're, that's not restoration. Restoration is I'm gonna submit myself to the authority and the elders of the church, and I'm going to do what they tell me to do in order to do what needs to be done. We actually um, have a, I mean, we have a staff member on our staff that was working on our staff and, and um, confessed immorality, was released from staff that day, um, fell under the discipline of this church, um, was, was disciplined, was ultimately restored. Was ultimately restored into ministry and is serving again mm-hmm. on staff because he went through the process and it was a long process yep. and it wasn't an easy process, but it was the right process. Yeah, yep, that's good. I was going to ask you about the the process of restoration. I'm glad you shared that. Uh, speaking of, of just church uh, functions and protecting the church's integrity or character, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions about that. I know we don't have to get into the details, but we have measures in place to protect the churches, both uh, appearance of integrity when it comes to our finances, when it comes to your role with the right. pastoral advisory committee. Just share a little bit about what we do to protect the church in that way. Um, well, several things. Like, for example, we've got the um, policy in place that nobody on staff travels alone. Like, if somebody's going to a conference, they're going to take somebody with them of the, of the same sex, by the way. Because I've met people that, like, oh, yeah, I'm so-and-so, and I'm so-and-so, and we're from this church. And I'm like, you're traveling together, and you're of the opposite sex, and you're not married. Okay. Um, so we have that policy in place. As far as financial integrity, um, my name's not any on any of the financial documents. I can't. I don't count the money. I don't touch the money. Um, we're audited by an outside auditing firm once a year. And Shane, that costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It costs a lot of money to get audited. But you know what? It's worth it. And every year we pass with a clean bill of health. And so um, that's important. Uh, to us, it's can I just add right there that we're not winking at the auditor saying give us a good report. We want to know absolutely. if there's a problem. Absolutely, like every all these things you're mentioning, I want everybody to know this is not to just project integrity. This Mm-mm. is because we want to make sure we're above board. How you know we? I know it's important to you and it's important to to our church that we want to to be a good steward over this what the Lord's given us. Right. That's why you protect your integrity. That's absolutely. why the church that we protect the church's integrity. Um, I want to get back, and I know we're running out of time period, but I think it's really important because uh, you mentioned the counselor earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, number one, I think I'd love for you to share with our listeners uh, how protecting your integrity and your concern over your own character was at least part of the reason you em- employed a counselor. And then what role did the, the idea of protecting uh, your integrity or, the, or your character play in inviting the counselor to talk to the people around you right. and all that kind of stuff? So just talk about that, why you went to the links, the expense, all that kind of stuff to have a counselor get involved. Um, you know, every, I, every pastor needs a counselor. And, and when I say, uh, pastors go, oh, my wife's my counselor. No, she's not your counselor. That's probably the reason you have marital problems, bro. Your wife's your counselor. 
Um, every pastor needs a counselor. And, and I'll go this far, Shane. I believe every pastor needs a professional counselor. Yeah. Um, because uh, we deal with things that a lot of people don't deal with. Um, there are spiritual, emotional, and physical things that a pastor deals with that a lot of other people don't deal with. The adrenaline things that happen in our body. I mean, I mean it's, it's unbelievable. And so I realized back in 2007, and maybe we'll do an entire podcast on this when I, when I did my, when I battled with depression, like, and it was serious. And I just came out of it in January of this year. I was fighting that battle um, to all of 2008, all of 2009, and all of 2010. And it was hell on earth for me. Um, I realized um, about seven or eight months into that battle in 2008, you know what? Um, I'm, I don't think, or no, I think it was 2009. I was like, I don't think I'm going to come out of this alone. I mean, because there's some things, listen, and I know for some people this is sacrilegious, but it's true. There's some things you can't pray your way out of. You, you cannot pray your way out of some things. You cannot read your Bible out of certain things. You cannot blog or tweet or Facebook your way out of it. You need professional help. And I think every pastor, and I think every pastor um, needs it. I think every pastor needs it before he thinks he needs it. I asked my counselor this question. I said, um, do you think that, because he, he works with pastors that he, he is he is amazing. And and I asked him, I said, do, do you think a lot of pastors ask for, ask for help too late? And he nodded his head and just shook his head. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. He said, a lot of guys, if they would have just asked for help a lot sooner, their ministry, their marriage, everything could have been held together if they would have just asked for help. So I realized this in 2009 and went and spent a week with a professional counselor. It cost money. Um, and it was an investment that our church made because our church was like, you know what, you you need this. The leadership, the elders of our church said you need this. And so I spent a week with him, and it wasn't easy. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done um, because uh, he exposed my issues um, it was uh, less than a year. In fact, le- yeah, less than a year, I had to go see him again because um, you're not going to get fixed with two counseling sessions. I went to see him again. And then um, seven months after that, I actually brought him here to meet with me and to meet with you guys. And probably sometime at the end, toward the end of this year or the beginning of next year, I will go spend another week with him um, because I still don't have it all together. But meeting with him, working with him, and listen, if you're interested in an unbelievable counselor and you're serious, all you've got to do is um, email us. What's the email? Is it? Hello at newspring.cc. Hello at newspring.cc. Um, it'll get to Carla, and Carla will make sure that you have all the information you need about my counselor. He is a man of God. He works with pastors. He works with church leaders. He's not paying me to do this. I, I'm just smoking what I'm selling. What I'm telling you, he's amazing because he's been a pastor, he's planted churches, and he's a professional counselor. He's not somebody that had a Bible verse and thought he should be a counselor. He legitimately has a degree and is awesome. So, um, and he's a friend of mine to this day, and and it has helped me. Um, man, he loves Jesus, and but and he loves he loves pastors. And meeting with him, um, I, I honestly believe it saved my ministry. I honestly believe because I wasn't going to make it, bro. I was I was about to flame out, and so um, that's that's one of that's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah, one of the things I'll just uh, add about talking to him, Perry. One uh, for you to open yourself up uh, to him, and then have yourself opened up 
uh, in a way where he wanted to know about you from us. And then together we talked about that. Uh, it's an amazing thing to follow a guy who's that serious about his integrity. And one of the things I remember him saying, or to paraphrase him, he said, too many guys uh, come searching, uh, asking uh, for relief or rescue when they need to come to me when they need help. And yep. so, you know, I just want to encourage all the listeners, if you're out there and you're battling integrity issues and you need help, whether it's from the people around you or from a counselor, do it while you see uh, you need help before you need to be rescued from a situation. Yeah, and, and here's the deal. You're like, oh, my gosh, I can't go to these men and tell them I'm that jacked up. You are that jacked up. Like, yeah. you are. Like, you are that jacked up. So go ahead and admit it because, listen, you either admit it now or the world will see it later. Mm. It's going to come out. What's in you is going to come out of you. It, it, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is in you? Not Listen, it's going to be exposed. You're going to be exposed. And not just on the other side of eternity, but on this side of eternity. Because God, the Bible's very clear. God is not mocked. Mm. God will not be mocked. I've had people ask, is there anything that God can't do? Yes. God can't be mocked. Mm. And if you're a church leader that has a character issue, um, the Bible commands us to confess and repent just as much as it commands, in fact, if not more, than it commands the people in our church. And so I would encourage you to ask for help and get help because your character is way too important for you to play games with. Mm. Well, I can't think of any uh, better word to, to end this podcast on than that one. So uh, let me just say thank you to all the folks that have listened today. And uh, just as Perry mentioned earlier, if you want information about a counselor, uh, that's great. Uh, email us at hello at newspring.cc, and we'll try to help you as best we can. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to register for NLC 2011 uh, before the end of this month to get the special rate. And we will see you guys uh, in July. Take care. Bye.